everybody, before we get super silly with our normal hijinks, just wanted to let everybody know that the entire cast of the Rasselman will be appearing at the Willpower Show May 4th, Harrelson County Recreational Center. This is a long-standing benefit show in Georgia, and you should probably be there because I guarantee you it will be something you can't see anywhere else. There are a lot of other people on the card beside us, but our part's going to be the best. So just come out. Warriors, are you searching through the heavens for a good deal on a transportation device? Then create yourself over to Ultimate Warrior Use Cars. You need not credit. You need not a down payment. Every man stands by himself. Attach yourself to the outer structure of the Ultimate Warrior Use Cars. The most powerful force in used cars. The desire to buy and sell. The pinnacle of vehicles. Not to repair, but to sell. Not to drive, but to teleport. Black Hole Sun's destruction devices. We got them! Hulk Hogan. Cost only the power that illuminates from the souls of those left unpossessed. Sky Chariot to places better left unsaid. We got him, Hulk Hogan. Only 400 billion little warriors. 2015 Ford Festivas starting at 13,757. I must be crazy. Come see us today as we pass the savings on to those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. Ultimate Warrior Used Cars, located in parts unknown, is open Monday through Armageddon, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every night. Deals better than those I propagate to see does not exist. Way down in Georgia, there lives a strange collection of people, but the tide that binds them is WrestleMatch, and they love to sit around and talk about it, and that's what they fixing to do. Georgia Wrestling History proudly presents the WrestleMen of Whoopcast. We got Shane, Brian, Bill, and two mats. We got a grandpa, too. An old foot and shot. Yes, you know they finna get right. It's the wrestle me. They talk about wrestling. We have to start off on a somber note. We've lost a lot this week. I'm not making light of it, but I'm sure at this point you've heard a whole lot about Bruno San Martino. Not going to lie, just realized there was no N in that um, <laughs> during the reading the Meltzer uh, obituary. I, I probably had been pronouncing it San Martino my whole life because that sounds like a name. San Martino sounds like a sandwich. But at any rate, this is the Rasselman. I'm Matt. That's Grandpa, there's Bill, that's Shane. Jeter made it in, and he's going to tell you about a harrowing story about getting here later on. And that's the other Matt. You got the Matt Cow. Matt Cow. But yeah, so uh, Bruno dominated the headlines. So we're going to spend a few minutes to talk about him. I don't have a whole lot of input because I was not around for it. He was basically retired before I was born. Um, Certainly the heyday of him was over, but... That everybody knows, and it's similar to that um, that Andre the Giant documentary that a lot of people are raving over, in that you know all those stories, like the Flair Thirty for Thirty. We watched that, or I watched it, and I was like, "Yeah, it's great, but no new news here." And I feel like it was the same thing with Bruno, and that's a good thing because the legend sort of existed before he died, and we all kind of got to live in that legend, and then now we just recognize what he did. And we say, you know what? It's good to have a guy go out clean. 
It's good to have a guy make it to 82, no crazy scandal, avid steroid against her, you know, just was not having it with the steroids, um, was willing to be estranged from the company that he helped make and helped make him because he didn't like the way the product was going um, from an ethics standpoint. And that, that'll never happen again. Yeah. Like, that's so, yeah, anybody else got anything they just want to get off their chest about San Martino? Because I, I, he was always someone I heard about, and then, like, only through, like, videos and things did I ever see what he did. And then only through seeing that do you realize, because he wasn't, like, the most, he wasn't, like, a work rate guy no. at all. But he was a guy who was just so fucking over, and watching him in, like, that Stan Hansen cage match, and just watching how the reactions he got from everybody, it just showed that guy was crazy over. And I can't really explain, I guess it's because it, it's just another era, uh, but you just see how over that guy was, and that he could hold the belt for so long, and yes. people were still sad when he lost. So, I mean, do we, like, this is wrestling legend, and a lot, a lot of this... Um, I follow a lot of things on Twitter and all that stuff. And so, you know, Dave Meltzer got tremendous amount of shit the night he died because one of the first things he said was the number of his sellouts was a work. The number of Madison Square Garden consecutive sellouts was not real. Yes, he was crazy over. Bill, you had a reaction there. Go. <laughs> it's just, sh- like, regardless of whether that's true or not, why would why why would you pick that night? Why tonight? Like, yeah, it, that was the, the overwhelming reaction. Um, but with San Martino, there's a lot of those things that are so legendary. Yeah. So the one that, the number of sellouts I could not care less about. We were, Shane and I were talking about this a little bit before everybody got here. It's like, I'm always going to say there were 93 people, 93,000 people to watch WrestleMania. I know that's not true. I'm always going to say there were over 100,000 at the Dallas WrestleMania. That may or may not be true. I don't care. It's wrestling. I've already given in to uh, suspending my disbelief on things. So that... Those work numbers are, are going to be part of it. But with Bruno, the story that I like and that impresses me the most, and I don't know if I believe it. I don't, I don't Let me say this. I don't know if it happened, but I will accept it as truth. The orangutan story? Is, what did you say? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the orangutan, the, the time he fought the orangutan. I believe that's true because they said he mm-hmm. went under, and they definitely wouldn't have reported it. <laughs> he went under for punching Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's the night that he dropped the title. And he said that he thought his eardrum had ruptured because there was no pop, there was no boo. It was just silence and then followed by a wave of sobs. That is insane. The Koloff one. The yes, the Koloff. Koloff, the Koloff. The first time he drops the belt and the place goes dead quiet and you just hear women, Italian women, sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> and you hear big galoots in the crowd trying to hold it back. Mamma Mia, Pasta Fazoli is all you hear uh, muttered under people's breasts. Um, <laughs> the young Chef Boyardee swears. Oh, this the day. For the kids. I will accompany my people. Uh, <laughs> Is anybody yeah. playing a Spider-Man game on the side? Ah! Yes. <laughs> sorry, I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> Bruno is dead. How can you do this? How can you do this? How can you read an action of comic at number one? <laughs> <laughs> Bruno is dead. <laughs> in, in all honesty, growing up in Brooklyn, being that melting pot of, of, of races and communities and whatnot, that's a story I can believe because I've seen the way the Italians get behind one of their own. So I, I can see that. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm surprised it wasn't a riot. Well, that is it because that is, that's wrestling. You expect that. That is the reaction you expect and kind of, you know, you're not going for it, but you're going for it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I listen to a lot of Cornette and those guys are always sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We started a riot and we've all done it here. And like, you get crazy heat somewhere. You go to the locker room and you're like, yes, we did our thing. That's the thing we're here to do. And for them to, again, not report a riot, but to report sobs, because that is a different way of looking at it. And I think Bruno was just that. He was a different kind of star. Um, that WWWF in particular were able to specialize in because after Koloff was Morales and, you know, there's argument over that Morales was just as over as Bruno was, that, you know, Bruno just got all the credit. Again, it gets to that thing of numbers and this percent. I don't care about that. They were both stupid over. And, a, and a, we'll never get to that again. That saddens me a little bit that 
a, with the passing of Bruno is also the passing of sort of the last living link to that legacy, especially with Bruno being fairly able-bodied, certainly of sound mind. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a sad story. Nobody even knew he was sick. That's how proud he was. And also the crazy story of how he even got to America. Yeah. Like, that's insane. And I didn't hear that until, I don't know, maybe last year or so. Um, living on a hill in, in his native, outside his native mm-hmm. town. His mother gets shot in the shoulder, hard way. <laughs> shoot shot? Shoot shot yeah. in the shoulder, works her way back up the mountain. And again, don't care how much of it is, is embellished. If 40% of that story is true, is worse than anything I've ever been through. So in summation, salute to Bruno. Yeah. But as it always seems to happen in wrestling, when you lose a giant legend, there's always somebody underneath who gets crushed under the weight of the big one. And the one that got it this time was number one, Paul Jones. Paul Jones. Um, and Paul Jones is going to feed into the larger thing that I want us to talk about today. Shard has raised his hand to be recognized when he can just say what he wants to say. Who in the hell is Paul Jones? Perfect. 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 That's exactly what I needed somebody to say. I'm going to let my encyclopedia is white and encyclopedia is brown. <laughs> Give the good people and Shard who Paul Jones was. White. Uh, I, 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 say, I feel like I've, I already talked some Bruno crap. If you want to. By the time I knew Paul Jones, he was a manager. Yeah, that's what by the time I know him. But then, then whenever I started going back to wrestling magazines, and then you see that he was a wrestler, and not only like a wrestler, but like main event, working with Ricky Steamboat, yeah. working with Ric Flair, working I mean, with he, greats. He seemed like he was like the perennial tag team champion. He's like so many partners, mm-hmm. and he he was just always he was always around. Yeah, yeah, he's what from a booking standpoint, he's a glue guy. That's a, a sports term for just a dude that it can be plugged into any spot. He'll hold things together. Might not be super over, but can heat up a little bit if you need him to. Mm-hmm. Can make a turn and be a very uh, a very convincing heel. He was one of those dudes. Uh, mo- like most of us knew him as a manager. But, you know, uh, reading the obituary and going back, won a bunch of stuff. And worked in mid-Atlantic all the time, which says something in and of itself. Talk a little bit about white and brown. About <laughs> attorneys at law. Attorneys at law. About Mid Atlantic in general. Um, I, I well, let me let me. I'll start it this way, so you don't have to just kind of do it cold. Was it the best of the territories? I I don't know because I was I was a baby when Mid Atlantic started, so I just, I'm just watching it now on the mm-hmm. network, just going through it and just looking through everything. It's like you can see, you can see that. It's going to be on an upswing, and it was a, it was a, such a lot of great talent down there too. Which, of course, eventually all of it came to the wow, oh, yeah, <laughs> real spooky in here. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can see how Mid Atlantic eventually became the NWA to what we all know now. And I be, I'm trying to remember was Paul there? He was there during that time. I don't remember seeing him on the TV, on at least on the network. But yeah, yeah. Mid Atlantic was it was good shit down there. They were, they were like the wrestling territory. I mean, there was always like all the good wrestlers that we know through the '80s, like coming up and like, like especially the '80s. Piper, Jake. Yeah. What was that, what was Piper doing? Oh, he's managing Abdullah in whatever I'm watching was, on the network. He was managing Abdullah. He was Atlantic heavyweight champion. He was doing commentary with yes. uh, Gordon or with Bob Coddler, whoever was doing Bob it. Bob Coddle, yeah. And you'll you'll per- see that eventually later on. The perpetually underwhelmed and over-explaining David Crockett. <laughs> 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 Just, he, David Crockett did not know a TV camera was on. I'm 100% convinced that they just told him, no, no, it's just you and Bob. Go out there and, and you and Bob are going to talk for a while. Huh? Don't worry about it. No, don't worry about it. Well, because uh, he, I mean, and I'm kind of picking on him a little bit, but it did give sort of a level of, of credibility in that he had no television. Um, he just, none, none wanted, there's no performance to what he was yeah. doing. He had none. Um, but yeah, so in Mid-Atlantic, Paul is there, he worked there. And he gets older, maybe gets an injury or two, and he had been so loyal to the company that they remained loyal to him by having him as a manager. And as managers go, he wasn't spectacular. 
he wasn't the flashiest. Right. But he, he was wore the a cold ass black vest and a big ass hat. <laughs> that wasn't until later on. <laughs> okay, so that's the Paul that, I know. That's the Paul I know. The Paul, you'll, your Paul, you'll probably eventually see. Like if you have to watch it on the network, we'll see. You know, he was he was he was the general of his army. That was, yeah, that was Paul his Jones' army. Much like, like the kids' army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would equate him to like you know how like in WWF. Bobby Heenan was the main event manager, yeah. and like Jimmy Hart and yeah. Mr. Fuji, and those guys were kind of like the mid card guys. He was the mid card manager. He he was the guy under JJ. Yeah, yeah. Yes, totally. okay. Yes, all right. And then he had that feud with Jimmy Valiant, and right. he came. I, that went on. I, I really, I just want somebody to talk to me about Jimmy Valiant for a long time. I feel <laughs> like I, I never, I've never turned him off of my TV, but I don't feel like I know enough about him. But that is a different episode when White and Brown will take us <laughs> down the Boogie Woogie Road. Because what I want to focus on today is managers in general. Um, everybody here has either been or worked with a manager. And one of the big complaints is... <laughs> yes! Some of us have even attacked managers. No, no. no. I was self-defense, okay? All right. Manager jumped you. Every, every now and again, you get a squirrel that they can take on a pit bull. Hey, that squirrel get his ass whooped. That's on him. Not well, me. you know what? We're going to get a glossary moment right now, folks. <laughs> there will be times on this show you will hear us reference Jeter attacking a man. <laughs> Would we say a tenth of his size? <laughs> yeah. Would we say a wordsmith? <laughs> Would we say a thespian? Would we say a dumbass? Would we say a dumbass? He's right. We're talking about Kurt Kilgore. Um, there was an incident. Uh, some litigation may still be pending where uh, Mr. Jeter claims he was attacked and defended himself. Others claim he put a man through the hood of a car. So that is the story that we are referencing. Hey, the only person claiming that is Kilgore, and everybody else that know he attacked you and you defend himself. Let's just be <laughs> clear about this tell, all the way. Tell the people why this all started. You... Speaking of, speak of this, yes, yes, this is the perfect bridge into this subject <laughs> because this all started because he was managing Jeter. And a lot of wrestlers are put into this position, um, present company included, looking at you, Brown. <laughs> where they are paired with a manager that necessarily they didn't come up with the idea. The booker has the idea that this guy needs a manager or, you know, this guy's around and they want to put them together. So you were put with Kilgore and he has an idea for a promo and you disagreed on the promo. Let us hear what the idea for that promo was. <laughs> or even the, was, the promo was executed. Very well. We'll, we'll, no. <laughs> we'll start here. The, the 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 premise and idea for the entire promo was, I guess you could say, Kilgore himself was going through some type of mental, physical, spiritual awakening, or whatever the whatever the case was. I don't know, but um, and he was having a real issue with our, our uh, with Agent Orange right at the moment, so. <laughs> Agent Orange being our current president. Yes, Agent Orange. Um, We're recording this in the year twenty, year of our Lord, 2018. <laughs> so, um, long story, he was having an issue with President Trump's stance on a lot of things. You know, and, and that's cool. You can have your personal opinions, whatever the case may be. But if you're going to do them, you have to find a way to make them the time into the show and what we're doing. And he could not find a way. He just wanted to go out here, berate the president, berate uh, the crowd. Well, and, and more importantly... The things that he was saying, they were actually very insulting to his client. Correct. And also, <coughs> they were doing this as heels in middle Georgia, where it is not likely that the crowd would take that as a heel promo. That he, <laughs> or, whereas likely that, I mean, excuse me, likely they would take it as a heel promo. No, they wouldn't. But. No, he, he would be a, a, a hero to some individuals in those neck of the woods, we'll say it that way. And more more importantly, you know, you do go in people's trailer windows. I don't go in people's trailer windows, <laughs> sir. Let's be clear about that. Because you couldn't fit. That's what the promo said, right? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't even. No, it was the whole thing of we're gonna we're gonna teach you to be scared of black men through raping your women and fear. Like who in the living eyes of God? 
Who comes up with this? But long story short, I didn't agree. I didn't agree with the promo. It did nothing for what we were trying to do with, with the, within the wrestling show. And more importantly, I personally wasn't as a black man was insulted. And I let him know this. We're not going to do this. He was all upset and a tissy about it. Well, you come up with something. First and foremost, if I come up with something, I guarantee you, you're not going to like it. So since they put us, they stuck us in a situation that. And if you can come man, up with it. You don't need a manager to say it. You More can just go say it. More importantly. <laughs> I love it. That's your new Perfect. gig. Your yeah. new gig is sound effect manager. <laughs> <laughs> you know, long story short, so he doesn't come up with anything. We go out there, and he begins to execute this idiotic promo. Wish I was there, guys. I can't. I and it just gets to a point where... <laughs> It, 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 it just gets to a point to where I'm screw this and I leave him standing out there looking like an idiot. <laughs> he just leaves. I literally leave. just leave. This manager's charge just leaves the promo. He just walks out of the promo. It's probably a, a signifier that it is a bad promo. Yeah, so he's all upset. He comes backstage ranting and raving and whatever the case may be. And whatever, Dear, whatever. What, uh, what, how tall are you? Legitimately six, seven and a half. Six, seven and a half with a number of pounds to accommodate that frame. And Kilgore is what? Five. He's shorter than I am. I'm Short. five eleven. So he's five eight ish, five nine ish. You're roughly your height. Probably a little you might have eight pounds on him or so, give yeah. or take. Yeah, that's Grandpa we're talking to. So y'all know Grandpa, Rapper of the Year. Y'all know how tall Daryl Hall. You know the size of Daryl Hall. So that is the size disparity we were talking about. Mr. Jeter, please continue. So long story short, he wants to have this long, join our conversation. I'm like, look, I told you I didn't want to do it in the beginning. You decided to push the button, so I left you sitting out there looking like an idiot. Don't be upset. You're all upset. You're mad. You walk up to me. And and where, where it really went bad was because you walked up to me. First off, I don't, I don't personally like yelling. I don't like to yell, and I, I don't handle being yelled at well. Damn you, Matt. <laughs> I don't like Honestly, I really don't like yelling. Anytime you catch me yelling, it's for a Uber driver that yells. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy was a fucking idiot, too. To be fair, that guy he was deaf, so he couldn't hear. So he didn't know he, didn't know he was yelling. Jesus he Christ. thought he was whispering. But you're so upset about this promo and this... You walk out and you have little black hat, little black Christmas hats. You wanted me to wear. I'm not wearing a black Christmas hat. <laughs> what does that even mean? Because he want oh, where the barrels are bad. I'm not wearing a Christmas hat. First off, I don't even like Christmas. I don't think I've ever heard this part of the story Mm-mm. where Christmas hats. Came. Yeah, so he's got like a Santa Claus hat, right? Yes, like a stocking yeah. cap with a ball on it. Yes. But it's black. Oh, look, he has one for me, one for him. He has a little piece of coal that has a little black. Uh, I'm not, I'm not wearing this. How do you like leave that part out? Right! You <laughs> have buried the lead of this story. That is integral You didn't story. tell us this was Black Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, I wasn't wearing it, so I didn't wear it. And something happened in Blairsville that day. Tyler Perry's a Grinchmas. Jesus Christ. There he is. Tyler's here. But, like I said, long story short, he... he, he they ate that chit chitlins. He was upset. <laughs> and I drank their malt liquors. Oh, my Lord. I'm doing... Story's over. <laughs> no, please, go ahead. G. Story's over. Chitlin and malt so there was an altercation. Yeah, long story short, he Thank felt you. some type of way. He walks up and shoves the little hat into my chest. <laughs> it's your fault. I didn't work. Uh, no, I told you I didn't want to do it to begin with. So I walk away, you follow behind me, scream, ranting and raving and bothering me. Like, man, look, listen. I don't know how you think this is going to go in your mind, but please, by all means, go that way and leave me alone. He decides he wants to be bad and take the swing. Well, he takes the swing. I, 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 Did he get a bucket or anything to stand <laughs> on first? No, he decides. Did somebody he give him to, a boost? <laughs> he decides he wants to take take the swing, and I gently restrained him. Did he stand on Big Master's shoulders. I sat him on the um, hood of his car and was like, "Have you he lost your mind? Double Leave me alone." <laughs> Jesus Christ! Those in there grabbing, just saying. You big man like you, you got to work the legs first, dude. <laughs> yeah, Break him rules. down. Yeah. Break him down. So long story short, he decided to attack. I decided to put him on the hood of his car and hold him there until someone came to break it up. 
And that's what happened. He broke it up. He went by this big For the Z first screen. time ever in their history, the Washington Bullets were on time. <laughs> <laughs> that's where the, sub- the story gets a little subject. Right, this right. This is the 93,000 plus yeah. the story. I was like, wait a minute. The Bullets, the bullets there? came there and they were in time to keep something bad from happening? Ridiculous. <laughs> Don't believe it. Trey's the voice of reason? Trey's the voice of reason? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, that's what shocked me. <laughs> now we're here. <laughs> now, now that's um, don't hit them. I'm not finna hit them. I've worked security and law enforcement long enough to know you don't hit people. You let them act retarded. The police show up. Look, here, we're gonna be frank about this. Six foot eight, 380 pounds. I'm the first person to be shot. Oh, yeah, they're gonna shoot mm-hmm. you. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, no, no Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. You're, you're down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're gonna, gonna shoot you. talk. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. They might not leave the car. They might shoot through the window. <laughs> so. <laughs> The shooters are driving up. Yeah. <laughs> in, 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 I, got it. I got it. They got snipers set up just for you. So, in knowing this, I'm, I'm not going to lose my cool. I'm going to be calm about it. He's upset. He's all upset. And the sad part about it is, you're on your car, and I'm the one with the I got a, I got a freaking key cut here. <laughs> Was you trying to get it one time? No. <laughs> well, make him look good. What do you want to make him look strong? Yeah. Let's put it this way. I, mean, I literally have you pinned down the hidden arm choke. Like, uh, dude, relax. And the only thing you can do is get your, the one free arm trying to gouge my... He's trying to have Dooley. You. <laughs> so, and that's how that went. And uh, he's all upset. And there's a well, whole you have, uh, behind it. You have... You have put Kurt Kilgore out of the wrestling business, and for that, Jeter, we thank you. Um, but that leads to that—that that happens, and I think that—that that is part and parcel as far as the indie scene goes. That how managers get a bad rep is that it is a path into the business for people who aren't wrestlers, present company included, um, and if you don't handle it the right way. You will be terrible at it, and you will look like an asshole because it is it is wrapped in all the things that can be bad about wrestling. Guy who doesn't know what he's doing thinks he knows what he's doing. Guy who doesn't know psychology thinks he knows psychology. Guy that has a microphone who shouldn't have a microphone. Guy who can take away from a match being too close to the ring during the match. It is all those things that make it so difficult to get a manager over to get a manager consistently working because in he around here there's there's not many i know there's the problem the problem here is there's one that's so far above the rest of us um and that's jeff that you look and say well that's jeff's thing but there's a lot of other people who try to do it logan chase is very good at it um anybody else i'm missing <laughs> anybody else y'all know that's really good at managing dan yeah, Dan's good. <laughs> I like Matt. <laughs> Thanks. Myers is really good at it. I really uh-huh. like Jonathan Malik. Um, yeah, fucker, I hate this. <laughs> but it either. There's some job that got pie faced a while back. <laughs> but no, there there are some guys that are really good at it. But it it is difficult to get a foothold in it. But at the same time, it it takes the the guys he's managing. To want to be managed. Mm-hmm. So, Shard, in your experience, you've had managers. Hang on, Bill's got his hand up. He wants to be recognized. Um, I think there's a thing, too, where you could look at it where if you look at Jeff from the outside, it's not hard to think he's doing the same thing that other people are getting yes. for. Yes. Because on the surface, it can look like Jeff is just going for shock value. Yes. Except that he knows the dance. And yes. He knows when he's stepping, when he's. Yes, well, that's absolutely right. And yeah, so if you were trying to get into it and you saw him and you're just like, oh, well, I'll just show I'll some do. obscene shit. Yes, and... that is a very good point. That is a very good point because it's if you look at, right, if you look at the wrong things of Jeff Bailey, it's you fuck up. You go in wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, because what you don't notice is that when Jeff comes out, his guy is the center of attention. At ringside, Jeff can disappear sometimes. Yes. And that's one of the first questions I asked him was like, you know, you're bombastic in these promos. And, you know, you, you've you been a part of all this crazy shit and all this bloodlust stuff. I said, but when I watch you at ringside, you are oftentimes subdued. Why do you do that? And he told me very frankly, well, God damn it, if you come out at 11, what are you going to do when you need to get to 11? And that's when it clicked for me. 
whatever, if I'm good at this at all, that is, it is that tiny bit of advice that cemented it for me. It was like, holy shit. And the first night I did it, fucking Jesus Christ. Oh God. The first night that I was going to be a manager, um, we go to the show and fucking the Jagged Edge has set all this up. Oh, and it's Jagged Edge and Shane Marks. And he's told Shane nothing. No, no. <laughs> Shane knows not a not, damn thing. Not one thing. So he's like, I'm like, yeah, Shane, I guess we should probably talk. I'm managing you. Is that cool? And Shane being Shane, like, whatever. I know he was seething on me. <laughs> Did you guys know no. each other before that? I knew him from watching him at PCW and talking in the like parking lot. But no, okay. no, we had never sat in a car together. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> Worst day of my fucking life. Well, you tell us. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so we walk out and. I'm going to cut this promo. I cut the promo, and the main event that night, is, and Jack, also, also, caveat to this, Jack is, is not, is no, he can't wrestle anymore. He blew his arm up at Anarchy, because he couldn't get his old ass over top rope or something. Um, so he's in like a fucking robot cast, and so we're setting up for Shane versus Bull Buchanan in the mm-hmm. main event. So we go out, and we're doing this introduction thing. We cut the promo, and we say the shit, and go back, and we're fine. Well, in the middle of that, Bull's wife has a medical emergency, a real-life medical emergency, and he has to leave. So now I had to go cut another promo <laughs> that explains why the main event that was advertised that I came out talking about before is no longer happening, and we got to do something to make Drew Adler versus Shane Marks feel very important and feel as important as Bull versus Shane would have felt. So... This is night one in the business for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing's changed since. No, that's, that's a good actual, like, this is what it's going to be like. It's ne- it's always going to be like uh, it's this. It's always this. This isn't old, a bad night. Oh, call it on the fly, Matt Hankin. That's yeah. that's what it was. So, in the match, I remember I remember this like it was yesterday. Uh, Shane, the comeback is on. Drew is about to pin Shane, and he gets his shoulder up. And I, like, celebrate. And I remember after, now, all this with Stephen Platinum, who is my wrestling dad? You know, like, he's the guy who... That is a sick <laughs> Oh, ain't it, though? Ain't it, though? My wrestling dad? He's the guy who show. I didn't want to... I never... I've been watching wrestling my whole life. Never considered being involved in it. Ne- didn't never even cross my mind until I saw Steve's show. That's, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in the crowd for this. He's about to leave for Florida. Um, he only knows me as a dude who does podcasts and comes to his show. And... After the show, he, after the show, he said, it was like, it was a good promo, he said, but you cannot, your job is to sell the emotion that your guy can't sell. So when he's on the ropes, you can't be excited, you know, when he gets out of it. You have to be relieved. And it's, those two pieces of advice, quite frankly, I only ever sought out because, my God, it's Steve and Jeff. Who else am I going to, who better am I going to get it from? But those two, that, but that is the subtlety of managing. That is where, that is where it lives, is in it's in the gray area because mm-hmm. you if you're too much this way or you're not enough you're useless um so that being said how do you guys feel about working with a manager shame marks motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> no good. but no it's all seriousness this is a long say what time. you yeah say whatever you we need to say because you know <laughs> we can cut these Finally. mics off <laughs> yeah, the mic's on <laughs> This is what we call an intervention. Finally, <laughs> Finally, I can speak the truth. Um, no, um, I, I've always wanted one. Got, I, when I got in the business, <laughs> always. Um, I, it never crossed my mind that when I first started that I would have one because, because when I got in, the main one was Jeff. Like, well, yeah. I'll, I'll never have Jeff G. Billy come down the ringside with me. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that is very funny. That given that Shane grew up in an area where Anarchy TV was owned, yeah. it's not oh, here. Yeah. Shane wasn't here. So, no. it's not like he could go. It's not like Cornelia was a place he could get to. He's in Philadelphia. Yeah, and up late at night, there's a possum in his bowl of cereal. He's in his jam jams. Uh, I'll tell that story some other time. Nana's made stuffing muffins. And the Coney boys are back in there. The Coney boys are back in their room watching Anarchy, NWA Anarchy on TV. It was Wildside at the time. Wildside, excuse me. Wild you're right. Wildside. NWA Wildside on TV. And I'm watching Jeff G. Bailey just. Talking up Iceberg, who again, look at Iceberg like I can never be friends with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's God wrestling's so weird. It's so weird. Oof. But yes, but when the first manager I had was Rachel, and I didn't. 
Steve put that together, and I was like, hmm. Uh, my first game, my manager. God fuck. bless you. Oh, I don't give a fuck. It worked. I don't want to do a lot of editing. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked for what I was it going did. for. It it her wearing worked. that fucking belt made us crazy for real. I was going to say, what do you think she added to your gimmick? She added something that I don't... Uh, she, she added more heat. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll step in with that because at that point, I was reacting to it. Yeah. yeah. I think what she, what she added was the cement that he was gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know... He changed his giant turn, 11-11-11. T-shirts were made. (laughs) T-shirts were made. Treason. (laughs) Threats were made. Um, But he makes this big turn, and because of Steve's booking, we were trained to kind of believe that anything was possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it would not have necessarily surprised us if Shane was this mole that he sent into the end. You know what I mean? Like, all those things are possible because of the umbrella. I, I remember one point coming out of a show... And I hear from, loudly from a distance someone say, I think Shane Marks is going to turn. <laughs> uh, I don't think that was not. <laughs> I would never say and some shit like this that. This is maybe like a couple months before it happened. Mm-hmm. I just looked at him like, no. <laughs> he right. That never. He has no idea. <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's, that adding pretty girl, unattainable pretty girl to a bunch of fat dudes. Mm. With him, and she's wearing the title. She has the belt on. Was just like it was. It was the final fucking kick in the dick. Right? It wasn't so even the PCW title. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it wasn't, wasn't even the PCW title. title. It wasn't even our title. But it, she has the belt on. She is the center of attention. That's what it added for us. Was like this. He really did do this. Like this is real. They took away our hero from us. And so, like you said, Matt's first night. Jagged Edge put it all together by not telling me. By not telling anybody anything. Meanwhile, he's injured. You're also hurt, yes. But that's. But then he says, hey, you mind if. No. <laughs> like, you know what manager's like? I don't care, whatever. And it worked out fine. And. Yeah, it's. <laughs> and, and, and anybody knows that, that it's, been, it's been Shane and DeWitt From ever since. Henceforth. But part of that other thing is. That in order for it to work very well, I do think you have to have, you got to spend a lot of time together. It can't just be, I work this show, you work this show, we work here at this show together. I'm sure that there are examples where that's working, whatever. But to the level that our thing clicks, you have to really spend time together. It's the same thing of, in the old days, guys were actually on the roads together. And to our extent, we are here, too, because we do this thing everywhere we can do it. Um, that That is an element of it that get, if it, when it doesn't work, that's what happens. As far Now, unless you're Jeff, who is established at one place, and, you know, or you're Heenan, you know, that you guys where you're fed into a thing, that's a different ball of wax. Um, but if you want to be a group that goes around together, you have to be together. We will get to you two, Bill and Matt, here in a minute. But Grandpa, I want to bring you into this thing because you, in your role, is as important when a manager is at ringside. Mm-hmm. Your job gets a lot harder. Right. Um, is it, do you, do you have any trepidation when you know it's a heel manager out there? Because you got to, it's, it's a lot dip, more difficult, I would imagine. And when do you get the picture for your Facebook? no i enjoy it because i it gives the heels time to get over better yeah and make them look better by the manager doing certain things popping up on the side uh calling me get my attention whatever um it allows it just allows the heel to shine more having the right manager at the right time i've had managers out there and they were a waste of time because they didn't do their job and helping their heels get over. They didn't. I've And there's one in particular I'm thinking of, but I'm not going to call his name. But it's like you may as well not been out there because you didn't do anything. Yeah. Other than coming out there with your team and high-fiving, you know, flipping off some of the crowd yeah. and making them mad, that was all you did. You know, you could have stayed back and let your team sort out. And so if you're going to be out there, do something to help the match. Make it work. Yeah. Yeah, and that that is a subtle art of how do you get heat for your guys by just being mean to the people, Mm -hmm. 
without taking away from the thing. Because as a manager, it's you are there, you, you are side dish, not entree. Mm-hmm. And you can't get into a bickering session with an old lady because and have something important be missed right. in the ring. There is a time for you to bicker with the old lady. There's absolutely a time for that. But that time cannot be during the hope spot yeah. or the big comeback. You you got to know, get it in, get it out. You know, there's a time when the, when the people are getting on you that you got to get them off of you because that's your job too. It is a very delicate art and it's, it's one that's not, it's hard to learn it because there are so few people to teach it these days. Mm-hmm. Um, especially down here. Especially. In, in like WWE and places like that where they, I mean... There's an established tradition where they know the, the steps. Yeah. Here it's indie where there's a dude who may or may not want to. Yep. That's about as good as you get. That's about as good as you get. And, you know, they don't do it on TV anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's not, not even really. a guy. You yeah. can't even watch your, like, you can't watch Bobby Heenan and say, you know, on live TV anymore and say, oh, okay, I understand. I see what he's doing. Because, yes, you have to be trained in all those things. I'm not saying you learn how to wrestle by watching TV. But, like anything else, you're going to watch film. Mm-hmm. You watch you, you yeah. <laughs> watch film, and that's film watching for anybody. You know, you can see how a referee does video good stuff. Video films. You're yeah. absolutely right. You were a video film. Um, Shard, I want to come back to you because I think probably you've, have you, how many managers have you had? The stellar DeWitt Dawson, Faux Show, and Jeff G. Bailey. You might be doing the best for yourself. You might be batting a thousand, my friend. Can I actually, can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. So Jeff, Jeff did a, did a couple promos that, they're not, but they are similar to the idea that Kilgore had. Why are they different? From the from a wrestling standpoint, yeah. Um, and it's not. I'm not challenging. I'm, I'm no, genuinely no. curious about like what what sends it down the right path as from, opposed to the wrong one. From a wrestling standpoint, Jeff knows how to take take that emotion and convey it to a point where it it helps the show, helps the individual that he's working, and then overall, it generally gets across the point of. This is the man. This is who he's fighting. This is a big idea. Whereas Kirigor is, these are my beliefs. I hate you people. And that's just the bottom line. Yep. Like it did nothing for what we were trying and to do. Okay. Jeff has the ethos. I know this, everybody's going to say, God, it's the Jeff G. Bailey love affair. And yes, it is. We're talking about managers. By God, that's better he's be. stellar. Yeah. And Jeff had the ethos of having a group of black dudes that he built up, you know, that he was, and having the ethos of, of taking on the slings and the arrows of being the pro-black dude in Cornelia, Georgia, and and taking these guys on and the African American Superman and all, he had that. And it's those of us who know Jeff personally, <laughs> it's believable. It's it's Jeff. That is you know that's Jeff. Um, so a lot of it does come from you are allowed to stretch the boundaries. You are allowed to cross a line once you have established yourself as the dude. Um, I'm sure that there are things that Jeff has said about any number of people that he's managed that they would not accept from anyone else, but because Jeff is so good at what he does, and they know at the end of the day, being with Jeff G. Bailey is better for me than not being with Jeff G. Bailey. Please look at Gunnar Miller's career if you doubt me at all, and he will tell you himself he has been made better by being with Jeff G. Bailey. Look at any show that Jeff has been on. That is yeah. what a that is what a manager that is the top of the line, but that is what can be done by a manager is he can because he can do the things that wrestlers can't. He can keep storylines going from piece to piece to piece in order enabling you to weave all this shit together where wrestlers can't do it because ultimately wrestlers can't be buddies on camera unless they're in a tag team because at some point you know they're gonna have to fight. Shard, I believe you had something. Hell. Look at me before I, before I got the anarchy and got the got with Jeff. Nobody gave nobody cared about who the hell Jeter was. Yeah. The moment and for for as good as I thought I was or as much as I felt people underrated me, nobody cared. It was the moment they put me with Jeff. People, okay, we might have to keep eyes on him. That's around the time that TNA was looking at me for. Yeah. So it's like okay, it it, it works. Like I said, he knows what he's doing. And how to make it all come together, and not just this is how I feel. Screw you, people. That it, it makes it makes no sense. But when he does it, it makes sense. It was like okay, yes. There's an end to a means with it. 
Uh, two two things actually, because like uh, Daryl was saying that. Uh, I'm sorry, who? Uh, oh, sorry, Grandpa. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, wait, what do you call that when we go back and say? Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll cut it. We'll do a clean cut. Right on. Uh, the, the thing where you go back and explain what our story is. Oh, I'm a vogue. <laughs> Daryl's real name is, is Grandpa. Grandpa. The, the part of Grandpa. It's a glossary moment. Uh, glossary moment, there you go. Uh, you're talking about that you're, you're a side, I think maybe you said, you're a side, not, not the entree. Mm-hmm. And so there's a thing that whenever, like with Jeff, because you, I'm pointing at Jeter, uh, Jeter cuts a good promo. He's good at yeah, promos. He can, he, he, he's, he can he's do great. all the stuff. Yeah. He can also wrestle real well, too, we just don't let him. Yeah. Uh, and so then when you stick him with a Jeff as the mouthpiece, instead of taking away from, from Jeter, one, he's hyping him up, mm-hmm. he's making him look like a million bucks, and also he's keeping an air of mystery around Jeter yes. because Jeter's not talking a lot. And so you're like, who the hell is this guy? I want to know more about him. So he's doing everything in, in favor of you rather than some other right. managers that are just trying to get heat on the Because themselves. he doesn't need any extra. Yeah. He already has it all. And I think that that is sort of as we've gone through this, and I promise you I didn't plan it this way, but we've sort of kind of hit on the archetypes that work. There's the package deal, like what Shane and I do. And, you know, if you look at like the New Day, that's another, that's a package deal. That's that's two, that's all three of those guys wrestle. But in the beginning, clearly Xavier Woods was the manager of that group. Mm-hmm. And you have the package deal where all three guys are sort of on equal footing and one guy's outside, he's doing some stuff. That's one way of doing it. There is the sort of the um, the manager of the of the promotion who is who is the manager there who takes on all the top talent who does stuff that can work too. And then there's what you two do, mm-hmm. and that is the mystery monster that cannot talk. He does not. His character does not speak, and his mouthpiece, and that is the other archetype. And often handler. Uh, handler, yes, yes, handler. Um, the guy that speaks for him. The guy that. That can get him off of somebody if if they're about to be uh, fired or uh, all that stuff. So that's what Bill and Matt do. Um, how did that come together? Uh, get him, Myers. Did that. <laughs> get him, get him, Ray. When I actually no, when I started at PCW, um, it was a couple weeks in, and he was just like, "Hey, you know, I I have this idea," and I I always want have always wanted a manager, and I had him here and there, but it was never. It was never someone that came with me. It was always right. someone from the promotion, yeah. which you know it was fine because it was weird to like find. I didn't necessarily have anybody I knew that I'd be like, "Hey, do you want to come to shows and not wrestle and just talk?" Right, and maybe or may not get paid. Yeah, it's a weird. <laughs> yeah, shit. it's a weird world to ask people to join you in. Yeah, and so when he when he offered, I was super. You know, I was I was all in. Like yeah. Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> we're going. We got tickets. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, and I mean, it works great because, yeah, I don't talk. And I shouldn't because my voice doesn't con- work with the character. Right. Anybody who hears you on here is not, not, not probably don't have a fucking clue who we're talking about. And <laughs> we're going to keep it. I'm point. totally okay with it. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I need I need that missing piece. Especially when you're in a heel role. Yeah. It is, because that is the weird thing. I'm going to let you talk. I promise I'm going to let you talk. Oh, about Actually, uh, can I cut you off before, real quick? Go, get in there. <laughs> the other problem, sorry, I know. The only, the other problem is that, given the way the character functions, it's weird for me to suddenly have my own restraint. Yes, yes. So it's really helpful. Yes. Because, I mean, in a lot of places I have to, just because that's the way it is, and, yeah. like, I, there's no one to pull me off, yeah. and I can't just beat a guy for... <laughs> after a match, <laughs> and so like it turns into fucking exotic ones versus besties at Rampage <laughs> in the most awkward wrestling moment I've ever seen in my life, where they're just trying to beat them until they get sympathy on them, and the sympathy never comes. <laughs> <laughs> and so it really is helpful to have a manager who can a make put that in place for me to stop, and b make that itself something important. Yes, yes, okay. and Wild Man without manager can easily go be a babyface thing. Like, people like the wild man thing. Yeah. Well, because you solve all your problems with violence. Yes. Yeah, that, thing to get right, people. right. Legitimately. You, everyone yes. wants to punch someone Absolutely. in the face. Absolutely. And to have the evil manager it's be able same, to point... Now, Myers, you had a couple different things. You were running this thing at the same time. Where in like NWA Atlanta, it was Oscar Worthy, yeah, um, erudite, <laughs> fucking English, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, bag. Whereas at PCW, it was Carpenter, mm-hmm. and you were you were in the same role. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you how did you approach those differently? Because Carpenter 
is always going to let the butcher go a little further yeah. than Oscar Worthy might. Yeah. So Oscar wasn't really because like I think of Carpenter as a bumping manager and as like Johnny Polo or Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert or somebody like that who I could get in and someone could rough me up and I could bump and then he could go in with that ass. So, <laughs> which, is, which is cool. And that allows you to do tag team stuff. It is yes. a very versatile tool to have in the back. Yeah. So as Oscar, because like when the first <laughs> when we were there, because uh, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, because I had that kind of in the back of my head as like a thing. It's like, oh, I can play this English aristocrat kind of guy. And then I watched what all the other managers, because at that show, there was like three other managers. <laughs> this is a great place to get into later. <laughs> yeah. And there was a lot of managers, and so I was like, I'm not going to do anything that they're doing. So I was like, okay, I can do pretentious, and that way we'll have the Beauty and the Beast thing, uh-huh. and I can be a chicken shit. And, and and pull him off and hide behind him, which is always fun to be like, which in my mind is putting him over more because I'm like, he's a badass dude. I can hide behind him and use him as a thing. And then when they finally get me, that'll be worth something, but it doesn't make him look weak. Yeah. Um, so that, that was kind of the, basically, like Carpenter was a little bit more conniving Kevin Sullivan bumping manager. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. It, it, I, but the end result was always... To put, to put heat on him because it is hard because people naturally love love Bill and love a guy who just comes in and his energy it, it's not just that he's, he solves with violence but it's the energy yep. he always has a ton of energy it's a character it's that quiet materi- mysterious thing yep. like he doesn't speak so people like and him and he looks different than anybody else on the card yes. unless he's booked with fucking what's his <laughs> Mike Knox Kimbrough uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's another. That is another great archetype: is the bumping manager. Yeah. Um, because that that those are very. I am not. I am not the bumping manager. Uh, which oddly enough, and where I am now, I don't know that I work heel anywhere. <laughs> I'm a baby face, which is oh god, god, it's oh. that that works for you guys gimmick though because even whenever you come in as as sort of heels because I've seen you guys work together a lot and it, you guys have so much fun together and it's so palpable that you're yeah. having fun that everybody wants to I want to be with the cool kids right I want to right. sit at the cool table right and you so you guys genuinely have, funny things yeah. Yeah. you can only laugh at a bad guy that way so many times yeah he's not a bad guy yeah right. yeah and that's probably a, a, a knock on me probably should do, but you know at the time when we started it. Especially like in Georgia Premier or DSCW, they are very. The crowds are very similar to PCW in that if they see you enough and you don't dog it, you go out there and perform. There will be a natural like for you. Yeah. Um, it is it is hard for you to get lasting heat if they see you often and you go out there and do it. Now we've done things in Alabama that were short periods of time. <clears throat> Um, and it's some of my favorite times because it was old school heat. Mm-hmm. It was guy with a tire iron is outside. Do not leave the locker room. He's going to fuck you up if you go out there. We got to handle that. Legit. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's legit. It's, it's security close to you at the ring. Mm-hmm. It is that kind of heat. And you can only do that kind of now in the indies in general. You can only do that. If you're in places that you're not all the time, because once mm-hmm. you're somewhere for too long, the we people just start you. to they just start to yeah, appreciate you. Get you. God, Jeter, you get that because everywhere everybody thinks it's so easy to bring in big old black monster <laughs> in Georgia. They think it's so easy just to point that thing at, at the baby window. face <laughs> at a trailer window. <laughs> they think it's so easy to point that thing at a baby face, and that is a place where. If you don't, if if you have a slimy manager, it's easier for you to keep that off of you because the heat can get transferred to him, and they can think it would be great if Jeter would punch that guy in the face. Yeah. Because otherwise, if left to your own recognizance, they're gonna say, "I kind of like when he punches people." Yeah, that's it. Um, uh, to that point, that's that's honestly been my experience wherever I go. Um, they bring me in. Big black guy hurt people. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people like this. Once they once they respect your work, there's nothing you can do. Your face. Yep. That was my that was my experience at uh Anarchy. Hell, mind you, my first night there I took out the their 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 big their big meat white guy, Judas. He was he was the man. I, I think he went. He meant white meat baby face. Oh he no! Said no he said white guy. He's exactly what you're supposed to and hear. And now yeah. 
big meat white guy is in the wrestling lexicon. Yeah. <laughs> like Robert Fuller. <laughs> but he was their guy. They loved yes. these two Yes, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Jagger got hurt because it was the spot he was supposed to have. He got hurt. Of course. And they were looking for somebody. Another situation where they approached them about bringing me in before, and it was always, no, they're not ready. We don't like them. We don't this. And Jagger got hurt. All right, well, let's give it a try. I come in. They tell me what I'm doing. Okay, cool. I meet Judas. We have our talk with the vacation be. Lights hit, and it comes on. Lights go out, lights hit, and it's me in the ring. And you have people who have been, and you can hear the oh, collective, holy oh, We do the deal, we put them out. And there's there was an old an older gentleman that used to come to Anarchy Shows. I don't know, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if he's alive or not. But he sat in the corner, faithful, um, cap on it. And pretty much when we were done, and me being the guy that I am, the way out that I learned how to be a heel by just talking trash. Yeah. Um, but when we before I before I said the thing, we took Jews out. He was damn near foaming at the mouth like a dog, and I was everything in the book that began that ended with a G G E R. Snatched his head off. Frogger. 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 You know. But I say it to this. Frogger. By me being there. He's a blocker. Stupid. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but the point is, by me being there so long and them respecting yep. my work and going from the transition of big black guy, Jeff, turning on Jeff. Yep. Uh Jagger coming back, me and Jagger having the thing and me knowing me knowing how to work. The respect you can see the respect it changed to the way he became one of my biggest fans at Anarchy. Yep. And every night that we performed, he was out there, I gotta shake your hand. I'm hoping you get that belt back. Yeah, going yeah, that's that is that is familiarity in indie wrestling in a scene like this often does breed respect. If I think that's where it happens first. People people understand enough about the scene that goes on that they know when somebody comes in and dogs it and they know when they don't. And so the kind of you you can get heat by just being lazy. Um, people will not like you. But it's the wrong kind of heat, you know. It's, they won't. They don't care that you're getting your ass whipped because you're just lazy. And, and but if you go out and work hard enough, so it it really does. It puts on its own booking that you have to know when the clock is. You got to know when that clock is. And I, I went. I've gone through it a few times. That you you have to feel the crowd like, man, I got about a month left of keeping this dude a heel, or else I'm just going to be I, I'm making a mistake. Or I've tried to turn somebody and it doesn't take. And I was like, what do I have to do to get these people to not like these? I'll figure that out, too. Well, boys, we have somehow managed to get to an hour yet again. I could talk about managing forever because, you know, clearly. <laughs> clearly it is a passion of mine. And Myers is better at it than I am, like every nah. fucking thing else. <laughs> Makes me sick. We're different. We're different. We're, we're we are very different at it. And um, something tells me that here in the near future, our paths might cross. Oh, <laughs> Boy, somebody's got a receipt coming to them. <laughs> <laughs> somebody's going to have to take one. And it ain't Myers. <laughs> it is me. Um, but this has been the WrestleMan. This has also been a Whoopcast. Uh, Brian and Foot, we've missed you dearly. I'm sure you would have said things so insightful. I'm sure Foot would have said, "What about women managers and valets?" And we would have said, "Shut up, that's not what we're talking about." <laughs> Brian would have said, "Shut up, that's not what we're talking about." But I know one thing for sure: Tiger Mask is going to say it's time to take us home. But I. Can't help falling in love with you. See
down inside, come, some way, 